follow up from some of our worldwide correspondents if you want to if you're up for going through that so we can address a few of the things that we've mentioned you mean some of the lies and exaggerations and inaccuracies that we have uh, perpetrated well yeah i mean if anybody's coming here for factual accuracy then <laughs> then they've definitely definitely come to the wrong place but no it's just a few things that people have have mentioned not necessarily um, embellishments put it that way like uh, little little things to add to the mystique of what we're doing here. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm delighted to uh, respond to any input from our worldwide listenership. Okay, well, the first, the first couple of things go back to names. Um, and the first one that's come in is from uh, one of our new... <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Trellis. <laughs> Mrs. Trellis. <laughs> Who's Mrs. Trellis? Should I'm I know sorry. this? Is that, that, yes, that a Radio it, 4 joke? It, 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 it's a, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue joke. Oh, right. Well, well, I'm sorry. I haven't a clue. Mrs. Mrs. Trellis would say, um, dear Richard, uh, your recent broadcast on the subject of Winchester was very interesting. Yours sincerely, Mrs. Trellis. And that's all Mrs. You have, Trellis You have says. to be there. It sounds like saying a viz, almost. <laughs> yes, it's always oh, very viz-like. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Um so the first point comes from one of our uh, numerous full flood correspondents, Mr. Ben LeGrice, and it is in reference to Johnny Cockshut. Oh, yes. Goodness me. I wow. know. I know. A Johnny Cockshut reference. And mainly in reference to my point where I said in that episode, well, at least <laughs> he didn't need a punk rock name, did he? His name being Johnny <laughs> Cockshut. But okay. turns out. He did have a punk rock name, that name being Milky Magoo, on account of his white hair and glasses. Oh, well, that would that would make perfect sense because he did have white hair and glasses. Uh, although I, 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 it is a bit albinoist, isn't it? But nonetheless, uh, I think Johnny Cockshut is actually a much better name don't you well well i don't know milky magoo's pretty cool and milky magoo <laughs> I, I i must admit i hadn't heard of this band to my shame but milky magoo played bass in ben's brother's band who were called ts135 nope don't know doesn't ring oh. a bell no 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 it didn't with me either but uh yeah ben's um ben's brother was in this band and ben's brother also pointed out to ben who passed it on to me that <laughs> Milky, as as I now call him, um, Milky yes. was also in a band before that called Section Five. Does that ring any bells? Ah, uh, yes. Well, uh, I I didn't realise that Johnny Cockshot was in that, but I I'm now realising in very very distant memory that has Ben got a brother? You said he has. What's his What's his brother's name? Pete. Pete. Pete used to be a correspondent uh, who would write in to me at the Chronicle and uh, either criticise things that I'd said about bands or plug whatever band he happened to be in, which I, I'm pretty sure that I must, if I look back through the archives, I must have reviewed at least one of his bands. Yeah, Section, and, section uh, 5 rang a bell to me. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I can't, I'll have to, I'll have to find out from Ben what kind of period that is, whether that's... Late 70s. I would have thought it's pre-Milky Magoo, probably. Well, well, Milky Magoo was in Section 5. Oh, right, okay. And then well, and then left Section 5 due to, I don't know, artistic creative differences. Artistic, yes, and, of course. And joined up with Pete Le Rice in TS-135. 
that's my potted history because I actually know no more than. Do you than know that. what the reference is with the TS one three five? What that refers to? No, I should have asked. Really, shouldn't I? Um, hmm. I was always intrigued by them, of course, because Le Grice is uh, an, an archaic form of grey, which. Uh, I, I did wonder whether we might be related in some way. Oh well, well, you've you know you've both been to the full flood a few times, so in a way, <laughs> we're all part of the same happy family with Keith. Next time Keith we're in there, Heather, I'd like our grandparents. Yeah. Oh, Keith and Heather, I'd like you yeah. to uh, introduce me next time. Uh, next time you're in there, yeah, yeah, definitely. You can uh, you can you can buy him a Stella or something. I'm sure. Oh, so what what he can do is listen to this broadcast and then write in again and um, put us right on what we've just said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we yeah we. We need information, as the old LBC used to say back in the day. Um, so next thing about names is, uh, um, yeah, United States correspondent Simon Waddington in beautiful <laughs> downtown Oakland, California. Uh, he he mentioned to me, and this refers to when we were talking about nicknames and stuff, that in German classes you gave students German names, or at least some of them, because he was he was Stefan, because there was no, you said to him that there were no Simons in Germany. Is, it, right, is this well, a thing that you did a lot? I mean, I guess I would have I been did it I did it completely. If, if you had a name that worked in German, I just left it, but pronounced it in German. So you were Richard. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, Simon's not right there. Um, the, the German name Simon is the exact equivalent of Simon, and it's quite uh, it's quite common. Um, but quite what often used to happen is that in a, any given class there would be two or three people with the same name, and in order not to confuse them, I would then give them something approximating to it. Oh, so I can sense. only assume that in Simon Waddington's uh, class there would have been another. Simon, yeah. who I'd already called Zimon. Right. And as Waddington begins with a W, he would have been way down the bottom of the list. So by the time I got to him, I couldn't call him Zimon. So I would call him something vaguely similar, which is Stefan. There you go. Which must prove that there were no Stevens in the class because I would al already have allocated Stefan to a Stephen. Blimey. Mm. So he was sort of right, but not really. Well, good enough. Close enough for jazz, really. Um, okay, next um, next point of order. Um, West Sussex correspondent, my sister. Uh, we, we could. <laughs> hello, Marion. Yeah, hello, Marion. Um, she, she. You know, you couldn't, and I couldn't. It's both of our faults. We couldn't re remember quite clearly what the names of the blocks were. Uh, uh, I couldn't remember at all. Are... I was really embarrassed. I had to forget such a thing. Yeah. Okay. Still here. Well, I've got them now. A block, admin block. That stood for admin block. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which makes sense. That's where... Full of, full of uh, secretaries with um, typewriters, as it was in those days. Yeah, definitely. Not even a fax machine. Uh, mm. C block, which stood for core, as in core subjects, because that's where English and maths all took place. Not core blimey. No, not core blimey. Core block, as Good core subjects. Gracious, you know, that is something, literally, after all these years, you're telling me that I had no idea of that it was named after core, but... It makes a sense, doesn't it? It does. It makes total sense. It, like when Marion said it to me, I thought, oh, yes, yeah, see, I remember the C block bit, but I had no idea it was called core. But then she's a teacher. Maybe all board buildings all over everywhere are called the same. Um, yeah. S block, science block. Science. Science yes. block. That's yes. self-explanatory. T block, 
tower block, so-called because right. it was a tower and, and that's it. And It had three floors, but that was the nearest it got to a tower. In the, yeah, above. yeah. And your block, where the club room was, was G block for gym block. Yes. Isn't it awful that we forgot all of that information? But you're right, it was G block. Yeah. Hooray. And so, Oh, thanks, everybody, for rem- reminding us of that. And did you... Do you remember whether it was when you were first presented with that room? Was it was it the club room, or it was always the club room? Right. So that's the club for some gym kind of thing, I guess. Would that have no, been the original it was, setup? Uh, no, no. There, it was it was for sort of uh, after school activities and clubs, hmm. and it wasn't intended to be used as a classroom at all. Right. But in actual fact, it was very very suitable as a classroom. Um, by the way, have you got any more um, interactive uh, queries or shall I now start talking about the club room? But Don't talk about the club room. I've got one more. I've got one more little thing. But like, oh, that's uh, something to look forward to. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and in response to a correspondence uh, called Mr. O. Gray of Twyford, mm-hmm. who complained that I said that uh, when they changed the names of all the tutor groups to um, foreign European names, um, I said that P was named after Paris, but of course it wasn't. It was named after Prague. Uh, so that's just a little correction I wanted to make. In the in G block, there was three very glamorous PE teacher ladies. There was Mrs. Arnie, there was Miss Jones, and there was Miss Grindley. Yes. And I could see all of them from my from my little uh, club room because I was directly opposite the gym. And uh, they were wonderful teachers, all of them. And Miss Grinley is worth mentioning uh, as the last of our very long and comprehensive series of famous people from Winchester because <laughs> she was a quite diminutive but very sort of strong-willed and great teacher and I was working doing a bit of freelancing for Radio Solent and she came to me and asked whether they might be interested in her phoning in the odd report uh, of um, hockey matches in the Hampshire area because she was a hockey player Hmm. so all I did was I put her in touch with the relevant sports guy at Solent and uh, indeed she then started phoning this in anyway she was really good at it and before long she um moved eventually to a school in wales and became the correspondent sports correspondent for bbc radio wales and uh it wasn't long before she then became a very 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 well known sports presenter on national on national bbc television hmm. uh, called helen rollison which is her oh, married name of course of course yeah yeah and of course it's a very tragic story because she had a a stellar career where she was she was the equivalent of who do we have nowadays gary lineker uh, fronting the most high profile sports broadcasts across the bbc and um then she uh contracted cancer and uh and, and tragically died very young i think in her 30s indeed with a young family jeez so I was always very privileged 
to know her and uh, in a way I think I was instrumental one time in getting her to come back and present some prizes at a prize giving day or something um yeah but yeah so I, that was her I don't re- I I yeah I don't remember her to be honest um but there, there isn't there like a uh Helen Rollinson Award now for um, yes, there is BBC Sports Personality. They have some special absolutely yes, yeah. that's quite right. I think it's for uh, outstanding achievement in in some field, or maybe it's for um, charity work or for people who triumph against adversity or something. We'd have to look that up, but it's definitely one of the uh, what they call sports pers- sports personality of the year things uh, things, isn't it? Yeah. So there I was. With these uh, people doing the gym, the thing called the concert hall was next door to the gym, but was also used as a gym for Mm. 90% of the time. Uh, And my little tiny room uh, was for languages. And the teachers in that school didn't go from class to class teaching the students who remained put in the classroom. The students moved around the school to the teachers, to the various blocks as you've just described them. And I was thinking the other day about just, it's only a matter of maybe 30 years since since I was teaching there, how dramatically everything in our lives has changed. Because we were, in our minds, at the absolute cutting edge of technology with our language teaching. Yeah. Because we were using something called the audiovisual method. And this was the latest cool modern way of teaching languages and it consisted of and it sounds quite extraordinary now but in my classroom you might remember this i hope you do at the front i had a large reel-to-reel tape recorder yeah it was a tandberg and it was made of wood very solid uh heavy duty thing which you know you had the kids in there at break time probably knocking into it and pouring their drinks onto it what have you but Never, never let me down. So, because it was called the audio-visual method, that was the audio, obviously. And the visual was a projector at the back of the room, the equivalent of a slide projector, which again was a brilliant piece of kit because it was very heavy-duty, heavy, hard metal item. And the visual part of the audiovisual method consisted of a little roll of film so the equivalent of slides do you remember the slide projectors you may yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. but do you remember you had the thing that went click click and you went to and fro and the slide popped up on the screen yeah well this was different you had the the little roll of film and you turned little handles and the little handle would move it onto the next picture so when I was presenting new material, this was a thing, I, I'll talk about German because I was teaching both languages, but German is the one I specifically remember. The French course was called Longman's Audiovisual French, mm-hmm. and the German one was called Vorwärts, which means, what's it mean, Rich? No idea. Sorry. Forwards. See, I've been, listening, I've, I've been listening to German all afternoon as well. Should I remember that? Yeah, you should. Well, you should because, uh, well, I remember it very clearly because I had my what was called the teacher's book and you had the pupil's book. But it was dark, well, light brown and very heavy. And and again, I used that book for, what, two decades? And 
it never fell to pieces. It sounds like they, they really knew how to make things back then. They absolutely Sly projectors, to... books. Yeah. All, all sorts. No, no, no instant uh, obsolescence there at all. No. The idea was you, you bought the stuff and then you hung on to it. So I'm presenting the new chapter. And if we, if we say it's something right very near the beginning of the book, and I'm, I think you, I think you might possibly remember some of these things. So I get one person, not you, cause you're in the front row, mm. but somebody who's towards the back will stand by the computer, uh, computer, the projector. Yeah. If only it had been a computer. Well, that probably would have been even more fallible. The projector, and they had to turn the little handles that I described before uh, in line with the audio, which I'm at the front and I'm pressing play on the tape recorder. There wasn't even a cassette recorder. And you'd hear a little beep, beep. And, and when you hear the beep, you have to turn the handle and the next picture comes up. Yeah. And then at the, simultaneously, I'm pressing the button on the tape recorder and whoever's portrayed on the screen, which was normally either Hans or Lisa, Lisa Lotta. Lotta. Yes, of course, Hans and Lisa Lotta. There we go. Or both. I remember the names, but I don't remember any of the things you are describing. Right. Okay. Well, it's probably because you were asleep. Because well, it was very easy to sleep because we had to turn the lights off, obviously, because the projector... I had a blackboard which you could then roll down and there was a white bit of it. And so the pictures are being uh, projected onto the screen behind me at my desk. And in order for them to be visible, we had to close the curtains, which again is one of the all strangest things because the secrecy of that room was all the more emphasised by the fact that nobody could see in because the curtains were virtually permanently closed and the lights were off. And so I'm pressing my button and somebody says, maybe Lisa Lotta says, uh, hello, Hans, wie geht es dir? Because that's Something how like she that. talks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll do it in a female voice. Hello, Hans, wie geht es dir? See, that's much better. That's much better. Sexy, isn't it? Yeah. And Hans would say, because uh, he was only, I think they were aged about 13, these children. So he, he probably had a high voice as well. And he would say, Sehr gut, Lieselotte. Wie heißt deine Mutter? They would all say, often say really strange, bizarre things like, what's your mother's name? As if <laughs> that... <laughs> that, yeah, that comes up all the time when you go on holiday, doesn't it? <laughs> well, especially when you're a brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Oh, dear. Uh, the thing is, I, I, I taught this stuff for years and years, and it went right the way through, all the way up to uh, to GCSE level, getting obviously getting more and more difficult the whole time. The point I'm making is it actually worked quite well. And there's always people that I bump into in town who say, oh, Mr. Gray, I remember all the German you used to teach me. And then when I challenge them and say, oh, yeah, what do you remember? They will always come up with a sentence Lumpy ist mein Hund. <laughs> Do you think anybody's actually got a dog and called it that that you taught? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if how, anybody's how actually many, called it Lumpy. How many of your ex-students have children called Oliver, and how many of them? <laughs> God, oh! <laughs> and how many of them have dogs called Lumpy? Called Lumpy. Well, who knows? But whoever created that, uh, because these were beautiful, these weren't photographs. These were um, like they were paintings on these slides. Yeah. 
And you got to know this family well, and they they went off and they did rather boring things in the woods. They used to, one of the main characters was Der Förster, which was the forester. Yeah, and he would be in the woods chopping the wood. And <laughs> well, he had good reason to be if that was his job. <laughs> Indeed. So what I'm trying to get across is this extraordinarily bizarre situation that we were in. There were thirty children and me. The projector, the tape recorder. By the way, I used to have to go to and fro with the tape recorder because a lot of the, this method was based on repetition. Mm. So I would, I would go, beep, uh, lumpy is mein Hund. Press pause, raise my hands to encourage the class to reply, lumpy is mein Hund. But then there was a slight frowning upon choral repetition, as they called it, and so therefore I had to then choose individual people to check that they were saying lumpy is mein hund correctly so it would be maybe the whole class chorus saying lumpy is my hund mein hund followed by five or six different people saying it individually and then the whole class joining in again well it was quite good for pronunciation but less good in the matter of practical application of the language because we then moved on to a different method. This was uh, later in my career, and a much better method, uh, which was called um, reality method, mm -hmm. whereby so-called realia would be used. So instead of having the forester in the woods doing strange things with Hans and Lieselotte, it went to the opposite extreme with a total lack of any kind of fantasy where you were taught to buy bus tickets or um, ask the way to the town hall, which I think you stuff. mentioned recently. Yes, useful stuff. Yeah. And I won't go on too much about it, but that was when I found that actually teaching languages was quite rewarding because I would get people coming back. I would get parents at parents' evening saying, we took our children to whichever country and we found what you've been teaching them dead useful because when we didn't know the way to the station they would do it for us they would they would know how to ask the way to the station whereas they in their youth had been taught prior to the audio visual method even they'd just been taught grammar like i was at school yeah so you came out having learned a load of grammar and not being able to apply it whereas by the time i quit teaching we'd gone right to the opposite extreme where you could uh express yourself in limited learned by heart ways saying what's the way to the and then you could either say the town hall the station the botanical garden or whatever but you couldn't do it grammatically correctly if you had to change the grammar or if you didn't understand the response. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. So basically, none of those methods were very, uh, very, very useful. Hmm. So that's about all I've got to say on that subject. But it's a fascinating thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about language learning. And I mean, it's really good. Well, yeah, good for you. And well, yeah, good for you, probably that I didn't carry on and do it at O level because I'm sure I would have failed because I, I just, I really, really struggle with languages. And I know that it sounds like a bit of a blanket phrase to say, 
Um, but I mean, do you think that some people are language? Um, put it this way: you know, a little while ago, you were talking about having no aptitude for guitar or for playing mm. a musical instrument, and you're you're just basically saying, "I just can't do it." That's just a thing that I can't do, no matter how interested in music I am. Don't ask me to. Don't ask me. Haha. Don't ask me to get up and um, you know, play the guitar. Mm. And I, I totally. I mean, I've got better, I guess, but I, it, it's just so difficult for me. And I went away from this conversation thinking, why is it difficult? And I don't want to sound like I'm disappearing up my own ass, really. But I really, for me, it's because I just I can't see it. And I'm not saying I'm not, you know, yeah, again, I'm not going, oh, I'm, I'm a visual person, man. But it's, I just, with music and obviously with graphic design and with a lot of other things and subjects I'm interested in, like history, I see it in blocks, not necessarily in blocks of color, but I see these blocks and I see where they kind of interjoin. And if there's a bit sticking down off of one block, which is the violins there's another block underneath it which is the cellos which has got a bit hollowed out where that bit sticks in Does, I, that, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever but i just don't have that with language i can't see i can't see languages that aren't english in those terms i can't i can't sort of see where a verb goes or a noun goes which may sound completely mad. I mean, my Spanish is all right after living there, but it's not, it's got, no, I I'm, I'm just I, saying it's not easy. It's really, it, and, it, and I've, I kind of, I'm constantly thinking, Christ, why isn't this easy? This would be so good if this was easy. But, yes, I but just, from, from what you're, from what you're describing, Rich, uh, if you'd been taught in the old fashioned grammar method, you probably would have done a lot better because uh, there you learn a load of, rules uh, and, 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 and you'll see tables laid out in front of you of verbs and all the different parts of the verb or uh, declensions uh, and, and such like, which are a bit like the, the, the musical notation or, or the charts that you were just referring to. Yeah. It might have made a lot more sense to you. Yeah, uh, I was lucky, you know, people laugh and, oh God, I used to, I, I had to fight with my father when I sort of said, why do we have to learn Latin? Because I learned Latin at school. And now, of course, almost every day I bless the fact I learned Latin because I understand how languages work and and I can visualize them because I can see the different parts of the verb or the declension of the noun or whatever. Yeah, but do you think that there are, do you think there is some weird thing where some people have got it and some people haven't? I mean, people say it about music all the time, don't they? People always say, or, or being able to paint or draw, say, oh... Well, yeah, you're you're born with it, but are you? Can you? Have you got any any theory on whether you can be born with an aptitude for language? I mean, this person I was speaking to, who speaks several languages brilliantly, um, is also very talented in lots of other kind of areas as well. And and you know, they were saying, yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with languages. It just it makes sense to me. Whereas to me, it makes no sense. So I, th I think there, that uh, I think you're. Thing? I think you're. What what you're suggesting is correct. I, I do think there are people with an aptitude for languages, uh, and as you know, you know, God, especially now I've got a grandchild and, a, and another one on the way. We spend so much time talking about what's. 
built into the child and what the child learns uh, and and where one begins and the other ends and, and nobody knows. So nature but, or nurture? Yeah, I mean... Or nature? Uh, yes. <laughs> I often uh, say to people, you're going to be good at German if you're good at maths. It doesn't really work for me because I'm always been, I've always been awful at maths, but German is a very methodical language that has a load of rules, and when you apply the rules... They work, yeah. and that's why I find it such a such a satisfying language. You know, I mean, you know, my wife Birgit, yeah. she she did badly in languages at school, uh, and yet I challenge you: does she speak amazing English or not? Yeah, superb, just yes, yeah, brilliant. And would you ever suspect she's German? Only when she's angry with you, and she goes in, <laughs> she goes into German. <laughs> Which I know she you've never, denied in the past. I was in a car and Birgit was having a go she, at you once in the she, car. She's, and she's she never angry German, with me. And um, I was like saying, no. God, that's amazing. You were just speaking German. You were both going, no, no, we weren't. I was going, you were? <laughs> no, Richard, she was slagging you off and didn't want you to oh, understand. Oh, there you go. Which I was, yeah, she would know that I, would, I wouldn't understand. No, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't, no, you wouldn't know. I mean, unless, yeah, unless you've seen... Birgit shouting in German at the TV when the Alpine skiing is on, you wouldn't necessarily know <laughs> she was German, would you? I'm getting into the Alpine skiing, actually. Oh, how how can you be, resist it? It's great. I used to be rather, rather sort of baffled by her enthusiasm for it, but now I sit down. Well, I was put off by the fact that it entails shooting. Oh, that, yeah, the biathlon. But, is that the biathlon? Yes. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, the shooting yes, and skiing. Yes, it is, yes. And of course, you know, being a hippie, I was sort of, I'm in, opposed to the concept of shooting on, on principle, but actually, I've rather got into it now. <laughs> we spend hours side by side on the sofa watching Alpine biathlon. <laughs> so now you're screaming at the TV in German as well. No, I don't scream. Uh, I don't scream. I'm just not the kind of person to scream. But you are right. And she does make a very bad mistake that if she wants to bollock me, she thinks that if she says it in German... It holds more weight. No, no. People won't realise that, oh. that I'm being bollocked. <laughs> No, I, no offence, Birgit, but you can kind of tell by the tone of the voice, not to give too much away. But the point that I was trying to make was that she has got lots of contemporaries, people who have been in this uh, UK for an equally long time, who you can tell immediately are German. Hmm. Because they they do have the accent, they retain the you know grammatical structures, which mean that the sentences don't sound particularly naturally english english yeah um whereas she has just got an ability and i don't know where it comes from but it, so i i'm with you on the suggestion that people do have natural ability for languages and other people don't i people that don't make an effort annoy me though you know people who go and live in foreign countries and can't be asked to even say hello thank you oh well i know stuff like that. i know people I mean, in Spain, depending on where you go, and I guess this is the same anywhere in the world, if if you if you're English and you move to somewhere like Marbella, I know people who live in that neck of the woods who have been there ten, fifteen years, who who yeah can't say hello or goodbye in Spanish because they absolutely don't need to. So there's you know there's no uh, there's no onus on like kind of having to make an effort like you say whereas where i was salabrenia you had to speak a bit but um, that, um, that there's another thing though with language is that you know we're all very used to 
the concept of different accents and different regional accents in the place where we're from. So we, you know, there's a difference between a southern accent and a northern accent and different even between a Glasgow accent and an Edinburgh accent. Um, but things like that, you, oh, well, for me anyway, just never really clicked. Until I, was, until I went to Spain, because it, and where I was in Spain is just it, it, I didn't have much Spanish before I went, and almost all the Spanish that I had before I went was virtually useless when I got there because that's just not how how they speak Spanish. <laughs> yes, okay, yes, of course. You're you're now referring quite rightly to to the difference between school book language and what people actually say yeah and it makes sense to learn that school book stuff so you know with, with spanish if you're learning spanish off a cd or whatever it's going to be a very kind of madrid central based sort of proper english accent um whereas someone like salabrenia was when i moved there someone said the difference in the accents was the difference between you know, Madrid would be Oxford and Salabrenia would be the Gorbals in Glasgow. It's that different. And it's, and it's not just, it's not just your comprehension of when people are speaking to you in Spanish of what you can understand, because what they're saying is different. If you speak in that Madrid way to them, they don't understand it either. So it's a, it's a, it's a two way, it's definitely a two way thing. To the point now where, like I said, my Spanish isn't great, but yeah, if I was if I was in Madrid talking Spanish the way that I talk Spanish, people would just think like they would have no idea like where I learned my Spanish because I I sound like a goat farmer, and it's just <laughs> it's such a well, weird well, thing. But I, it, it it's such an obvious thing that obviously other countries have regional accents. Oh yeah, but it, yeah, I know. And it, but it wasn't until I got there that you realised how how big of a thing that was As, i mean yeah again especially where i was where every word is cut short and well yeah until it's almost non-existent i mean salabrenia the salabrenia <laughs> accent's almost just like one long vowel every word <laughs> yeah well when you when people learn english abroad uh uh in, in, in we were talking about tefl a, a couple of episodes ago um the, the 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 standard, but in inverted commas, is always what they call Oxford English or BBC English, yeah. which is an accent probably a bit like you or I have got. Which is we're not we're not recognisably from any particular place, are we? No, I don't think so. No, um, and in German, the equivalent is Hochdeutsch, which they speak. Uh, well, typically they speak it in in, in Hanover. Uh, and then as you move north, south, east or west, the, the accent and the uh, way of expression mutates. And by, by the time you get to the, the south of um, Bavaria, I can't understand more than 20% and, and nor can Birgit significantly. I, I remember Birgit telling me that when you went on one of your van trips and you went down through Franconia <laughs> into Bavaria or whatever. And I remember yeah. Birgit going, don't understand anything anybody says. I know. And she was also baffled because one of the uh, cliches about what people think about Germans is they always imagine them wearing the, the leather shorts. Uh, and it's a ex extraordinarily 
uh, complicated uh, thing about something that's actually very simple. Um, people say they wear lederhosen, which is the plural of the word hose. But the word hose, which means trousers, is actually a singular word. Now, I'm going to explain this to you because uh, it's quite significant. For example, eine Schere is a pair of scissors. Right. And uh, eine Brille is a pair of glasses. And right. eine Hose, eine Hose is a, a pair of trousers. And eine Unterhose is a pair of underpants. So that all makes sense because we have, as you know, languages have different concepts. And their concept is, is, is a garment or an item. The glasses or the trousers or the pullover are uh, a thing, aren't they? Yes. Except that I said pullover by mistake there because I, when people would explain this to me, I said, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. Uh, why on earth would we call things a pair of? Because uh, glasses, okay, it's got two lenses, but it's not really a pair of anything. And the trousers, okay, they've got two legs, but they're just a garment, aren't they? And I also say, yes, but aha, why don't we say a pair of pullovers? Because that's a thing with two sleeves or a pair of shirts. Because that's a garment with two sleeves as well. Na, 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 na. Nobody's been able to answer that. Bloody hell, I'm confused. I think, oh, I, 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 I think, think I, I'm such a good teacher. Surely you understood that, didn't no, you? No, you see, I think you might have just illustrated. <laughs> I, I was trying to picture trousers no and one jumpers. No one at languages. These blocks of trousers and these blocks of jumpers were trying to merge together. But, you know, they just, I don't know, ended up as well, a pair I, of pants I, I, or a pant, we, maybe. I don't yes, know. A, a pant. Can we invite the listeners to um, contact us and say whether they understood what I was explaining there? Yeah. The ones who are good at languages will have understood it immediately, and the others, ones who were like you, probably would be confused about pants. Yeah, you see, I, do, I yeah, that is, mm, oh, I don't want to say too much because I just sound like an idiot, really. <laughs> but down, I can't remember. Yes, down south on. in Germany, they, they they speak a much curlier kind of version. Curlier—that's a nice word. They're they're rolling their R's a lot more, aren't they? They're, they're rolling their asses inside the lederhosen. Oh, oh, oh. or, or, or to... just their ass. Yes, <laughs> I didn't. Com I didn't complete my point. Actually, no, go on. Sorry. The, the, well, no, it was my fault. The uh, the hoser, therefore, if you say somebody's wearing lederhosen, it would actually mean that they were wearing two pairs of, or at least two pairs of leather shorts but it should be a lederhose but the reason it cropped up in my mind was that when we were last year indeed in bavaria and there were indeed uh gentlemen walking around wearing the lederhose and uh women in the the dirndl which is you know that thing that holds the i know boobs, boobs up very prominently and, and like a rara skirt underneath it which has got a great spelling there's no there's, there's no vowels in that word, is there? Yes, there are. There's an I at the beginning. Oh, yeah. But I do know what you mean, yes. But the end is N-D-L, isn't it? D-I-R-N-D-L. Uh, Dirndl. Get in. Actually, the... <laughs> um, yes. My little granddaughter's 
today said, uh, Gaga, could I have a croissant for breakfast? I thought, yes, that's my girl. She's pronouncing that Super. beautifully. I thought she was going to mm. ask for a dirndl. That would have been <laughs> even <laughs> more you know, impressive. I, she She's wearing frozen dresses at the moment, which are quite dirndl-like. So I'm sure you can buy little dirndls for children i bet you in fact maybe i'll go and buy one but no big it would finally divorce me if i you can get um, tell her to wear a dirndl i'll tell you where you can get them you can get them in cna in germany because they still have cnas in germany you can get everything in cna cna is the most fantastic shop the only jeans that fit me are from cna and i have to import them really when you yep. when you go on holiday i recommend them is it is yes. it like big it getting her her curry sauce tomato ketchup stuff for her curry first yes. she gets Correct. that and you buy jeans when you go abroad that's right in fact last time i went i bought three pairs and i've only got through one and a half at the moment so yeah because they they're perfect they're perfect and they only cost about something like 28 euros wonderful things and you get them C und A. Mm, yes C und A. C und A. C und A. I would would teach you the alphabet, but everybody would switch off uh, in boredom, so I won't do that. Once, but I know we'll probably come on to. Well, yeah, we should talk about Revillo at some point. But has anybody? It occurred to me the other day how what would be the best way to teach me languages, and I I was wondering whether anybody had ever done. And you, you maybe it wouldn't make any sense to do it now, but back in the day if anybody ever did like kind of learn German in 52 weekly parts and, you know, you'd get a free binder with episode one and then you, you would get like a magazine and you'd have all week to have that magazine and get that information into your head before the next episode came out. So you, you know, you would, you would take it on board. I think that would work if I could get like a, a learn German and a learn Spanish magazine delivered every week and just have that to concentrate on. That would... I am almost certain it's been done. Do you think? Uh, it seems so obvious. I don't know that it has been done, but I can try and find out. The nearest equivalent I can think of was the, the, the linguoscope, uh, not linguoscope, linguaphone. Linguaphone. Linguaphone used to be advertised very, very heavily in, in, in magazines like the Radio Times. And that was a system. I mean, talk about, you know, I was talking about our antediluvian uh, technology uh, back then in the language teaching field. Uh, linguaphone was very cleverly devised. I think you bought it in installments as well because it was extremely expensive. And the original version of it was on 45 RPM yeah, singles. I had a Spanish set of that that I got from a car boot sale. There you go. So it, it, it came in, in, in a box. And uh, the idea was, you know, the, the, the story that um, Coleman's mustard, the Coleman family made all their money, not from what people consumed of their... Oh, uh, what, but what they left on the side of the plate. What they left on the side of the plate. Mm. And uh, the, the reason that you would back then even find um, Linguaphone on every car boot sale is that people would very optimistically buy uh, the entire set. And then after about two or three 45 RPM record listenings, 
get fed up with it and give up. And this thing would sit around in their in their loft until they eventually cleared the loft out. They then moved on to cassettes. Mm. So there there were huge numbers of people who had these boxes of Lingophone cassettes. Again, most of which they'd only uh, listen to maybe the first four or five and the modern equivalent is this uh, very successful duo lingo uh, which is a, yes, like an app that's a really good app yeah it is a good app but very few people pursue it through to the end and if they do they don't end up being fluent speakers of whatever language they're they're, they're doing it helps them i'm sure much as lingophone probably did but uh yeah uh well next time um i will Hang on a minute. We haven't mentioned Trip. We were going to spend the entire time talking about Trip and we haven't done it. We'll have to postpone that till next time. And then the time after that, I will, after we've uh, answered more readers' questions yes. from Mrs. Trellis, <laughs> I will then tell you the story of how I accidentally became a business person and a publisher. Yeah, because that's a good one. Because I don't know the full story behind that. I kind of remember when it happened, but like... Um... All right. Well, let's leave everybody on a irresistible cliffhanger at this stage. Yes, why not? Okay. Danke dir. Bitte schön.